When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano, and it's just football analyst Jordan Weimer and myself today. Oh, Jordan, it's uh, it's a disappointing one. Watford, of course, lost 1-0 yesterday to uh, Luton Town. And, um, well, you know what? It, it, it felt like Watford didn't really show up rather than Luton being brilliant. I mean, how about, how about you? What was your assessment of the game? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I mean, I think we'd have to break this down in parts we talk about kind of our assessment of the game because there's kind of a lot to cover isn't there but just on the surface I think I think there's a couple of big con- contributing factors I think a kind of what you touched on there we didn't show up on the pitch we, we weren't good enough um, the application wasn't good enough it was, wasn't even close to good enough um, but I also think we we're out coached as well I think Nathan Jones did an excellent job um, of accommodating for us um, but he also he also found a way to hurt us and it was, it was very impressive, I think. Uh, and that was something we touched on too. I know we talked about, uh, just when we kind of briefly talked about this game coming up and also the preview we did as well. It, Nathan Jones can be the difference maker for, for Luton Town. They might not have the quality that, that we have, but it just shows you what a good coach can do. Um, okay. And I think they won that battle on the sideline. So what was it that he did that he, he obviously managed to identify and, and, and put into action, Jordan? Well, this is the thing about Nathan Jones. He's, he's very good at adapting for opposition and he's got a very flexible system his players that play within that system are very versatile I mean he's got he's got a left back uh, sorry he's got a right winger playing left back and left centre back in, in that game you know he's he's able to move things around and I think yesterday they did a really good job of, of shutting down that right hand side mm. of ours um, partly partly down to kind of the, the depth that Kazenga Luwalawa was putting Kiga Femenia in and making him kind of drop a little bit deeper and not able to support Ishmael Asar like he's used to but also the way that kind of back line worked to just to really suffocate Ishmael Asar and stop those passing lanes. And I think the midfield did a really good job of that too. They they were able to kind of cover that that out ball to, to Sar and Sar became very isolated. Um, I mean, can you even think of a stand-up touch in that second half? It's not really, no. it wasn't really at all, especially. And, and we ended up kind of pushing the ball down the left a little bit more and we just didn't look as competent down there. So I think we saw some glimpses of this um, when it comes to Neil Warnock uh, against, against Borough. I thought he did a, an excellent job of the same thing, but... I think where Luton were a little bit different is they they also found a way to create chances against us. And part of that was down to, you know, a few other contributing factors. The pitch wasn't great. Uh, It definitely affected our build-up play. I think, I believe we had a 68% pass accuracy for the the entire 90 minutes, which is the lowest we've had all season. 
Um, and and but then again, you look at our forward pass accuracy. That was relatively similar. Mm. Um, so it just shows that kind of the the other areas of the pitch were just kind of passing the ball laterally backwards, and we're not completing them to the same degree we normally would. Just simple possession, we're not keeping. Um, but Luton, they know they knew how to beat us, and we have got to be careful of that. And I think that's one thing that's disappointing for me is way more disappointing. I can I can take a loss. I can, I can take the result because I thought Luton deserved it. But the disappointing thing for me personally. We didn't see enough of a reaction from the players or the coach. Obviously, now I've got an opportunity to do that against uh, Norwich, mm. but I feel like we could have seen more on the day. Um, yeah. What about you? What, what was your kind of initial thoughts just kind of off that game? Did you feel like we just weren't there or was there more to it for you? Well, for me, uh, and it's funny you've, you've identified, uh, you know, Luton playing better than perhaps I thought they did because to me, it just looked like it was a Watford side that, um, that hadn't really given their best rather than it being a case of being locked down. But now I'm seeing it from your side. I can see now why Watford might have found it difficult because it seems as though Nathan Jones has done a number on us. But that there are examples in the game where I felt as though Watford could have done better. I mean, a key example of that was in the first half when we had a free kick and it looked like... Um, Sinkenegger uh, was in bundles of space and he wasn't being marked by anybody and, and Hughes was able to, to play the ball into him very simply. And I was thinking, this is brilliant. They haven't shut him down. You know, he's going to go for a shock here or, or do something with it. And then he kind of half kind of chipped it towards the keeper. It just came off of nothing. And I was like, what was that? Come on, dude. That was a massive opportunity. And, and I think that kind of summed up the game in a way for me. Watford having, you know, this great opportunity that they, they haven't really taken. And, and, you know, maybe it's because of what you were talking about earlier that, um, you know, they, they didn't have those opportunities because... You know, Luton have been drilled to, you know, to to shut down Watford's key strengths. I, th- I think it was a bit of both, wasn't it? I think I, I think you're you're spot on. There was a lack of intent, even just the kind of shot that kind of tame, slightly limp shot was kind of quite indicative of the of the performance and the players in general, wasn't it? And yeah, do you know I the free kick you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, where he just played it inside and Zinkenegel mm. and kind of had like a shot towards goal that almost looked like a cross, like it just kind of dinked cross, but it yeah. was like. It was hard to tell what it really was. He kind of got caught in two minds and just didn't strike cleanly. And I know exactly what you mean. Um, and I think that plays a part, definitely. I think it's two these two factors for me. Um, and the aggression, the intensity, it, we, we didn't match Luton in that. We, we just didn't. And it's frustrating because we talked about in the previous game, we talked about how dangerous we can be from that opening 15 minutes, how we scored you know, so many goals in those open 15, 20 minutes. And yesterday there was no intensity at all, and there's no kind of pressure from the off from us. We were, I think, don't think we had a touch in their half in the first ten minutes. Mm. And Luton are very susceptible to scoring early. I think they might have conceded the most goals in the first ten minutes in the league this season. Um, but we, we didn't, we didn't match them, um, and you, you do get punished for that. And it kind of expected. If you had to say, if you if you think ahead of this game, you're going to say there's one. If there's one team that's going to be more up for it, you would hope it would be us. In the fact that we're chasing for, for promotion, but. You kind of always had that feeling it would be Luton. It's it's really disappointing because we should be going into that game looking to come away with something more. I know we were looking to, but I don't think we did everything in our power to win that game. And in in the situation we're in right now, I just don't think you can be. I don't think you can afford to to take those risks and kind of coast through periods of games when you've only got four games left. Now it's it's not it's not conducive to to get an automatic promotion. I mean, I think the thing for me, so I'm not trying to ramble on here. I'm just kind of just thinking as I'm talking. I think what really bothers me is that when you see when you see how Jones sets up, 
And I, I'm not going to go on about Jones too much. I've made it clear how I feel about Jones. But when... <laughs> a bit of a fan, what, is, what you, I, is what I, it's from what I can tell. I just appreciate I just appreciate what he's doing with the team. He makes the team better than the sum of their parts. And that's... Or he, well, he, yeah, he, he's just someone that can elevate the quality of the team based on adjustments and, and finding ways to fit these players in. And Cisco can do that. I think he's done, a, he's done an excellent job in a lot of ways. But going into the game yesterday, even from even from kickoff, I know we had, obviously we'll touch on, but I know we had an, an issue with uh, Adam Masner not not well and mm. Ashad Lazar came in there, which obviously wasn't the most effective change. Um, and we had a few players, obviously we had Chalaba missing, which didn't help. But I, I did think from early on, I was very surprised that we didn't have that that pressing player in midfield because we it's very clear that you don't have to watch much Luton to see where they where they like to build up and Dewsbury Hall was coming back back from injury that was expected of course he comes straight into the team and he's someone that can really kind of keep that tempo going for Luton and just to not close it to, to not put pressure on and not have someone in there applying pressure and Carlos Sanchez you know he he was fine but he sat in that deeper position instead of Will Hughes and you can see the difference that made as well to our to our possession it wasn't as clean and I know the pitch played a part but I, I just feel like we even from the off we didn't do enough and we didn't do anything to affect them. We just kind of made a few changes and we were very within ourselves. We weren't looking at how we can stop Luton and how we can actually hurt them. I, that was just my opinion, just on, on the base level of kind of seeing how we started. Mm. Let's get back to one of those uh, points you made there then. There was a, a late change for, for Watford. It, Messina was due to play, but um, he was obviously ruled out there and, and, and Lazar came in, who uh, we haven't seen for 90 minutes yet, I don't believe. I think that's the first time we've seen him for a whole game. Um what was your opinion of him, Jordan? Um, and do you think that he was at fault at all for the penalty that uh, that Luton ended up getting? I thought first half he was okay. Um, he, he wasn't. I think he got beaten by Jordan Clark at one point, and it was almost costly um, down the right hand side. But he was he was he was okay. And I actually thought the second half. I actually thought he started the second half reasonably well. Um, he got forward and supported uh, Ken Semmer a couple of times, and he. He was unlucky, kind of overhit a pass, ended up going out for a goal kick. But he was getting forward a little bit, and I thought maybe he's growing into it. But I mean, the, the pass back for the goal, I I, don't, I put the majority of the blame on that penalty on on that back pass. It was a terrible back pass. It was just a just a lazy back pass, really, and it was it was very costly. Um, mm. I, I don't see it as backman's fault. If you put your goalkeeper in that position, then you know you're you're asking for that. Do you sort think of he had to come out for it, or do you think he could have stayed stayed in his? I'd goal rather and... him come out for it personally. I'd rather him come out for it because it's it's representative of his of his game, isn't it? That's how he plays, and I want my keeper to play like that. He's he. There are other moments in that game where his aggression and him coming out it, it helped us defensively. And I, I actually thought he was probably one of our better players yesterday. There are quite a few times where those crosses come into the box and. You know, he was diving down and collecting them very calmly. I thought Backman was good. Um, he made some good saves today, didn't he? There was there was one from a free kick that I remember in particular that uh, was hit quite directly at him, and he managed to stop that one. Actually, I think that was just before the uh, the penalty. Actually, in terms, I, mean, of- I don't know about you, but I've got no complaints with Backman in there yesterday. Really, um, I I don't. I want my keeper to come out and be aggressive if they've got the if they've got the physical ability to do so, which Backman does, and he's also got the technical ability to clear the ball with either foot in. Uh, in positions outside of his box, so I want him being aggressive. And if sometimes that leads to a penalty, then then so be it. But mm. for me, that the penalty came about from the back pass, so I'm asking Backman to come out there every time. Um, it just so happened that you know it wasn't it wasn't a situation where he was able to get the ball cleanly. Um, 
and the penalty was given. But for me, if you're going to look at anyone making a mistake there, it's Lazar, and it's it, you know it's horrible to isolate one player. And I, I don't like to, I don't like talking negatively about one player. It's not kind of what we're here to do, and, and over kind of over over kind of press the issue. But it was his mistake, and it cost us the goal, cost us the game. Cool, right? Um, How about it- you though? What, what do you think of Lazar? Because he was also very. He's also fairly anonymous for large portions. Well, portion, yeah, that's so. that's what that's what I was thinking, and that's why it's very easy just to focus on that one mistake he made. Because for me, that was the only really noticeable thing that that he did in the game, and obviously it's a negative thing. But but like you say, generally when players go unnoticed, it's because they're doing their job fairly reasonably to a, to a, to a decent enough standard. Um, he didn't, you know. Perhaps perhaps this is something just because he's he he doesn't have much of an attacking game to his to the way that he plays. And it's very evident that Watford are, are much more attacking on the right side than they are on the left. And that's probably why, you know, many teams sort of set up to defend that sort of, uh, I suppose that would be their left side to make sure that, um, you know, they can counter Watford's very strong right side with Kiko and, and, and Saar. It's just not the same on the left side with with, with Semmer and, and, and Messina or, 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 or Ashraf Lazar, to be honest, because I think Lazar and Messina are quite similar players in the way they play. It's just Messina is a much better version of that, I think. Yeah, I think I think Massner is just he's he's a lot more combative, isn't he? I think defensive. I think with Massner, even if he's not going to contribute the most going forward, although he can do that, he he is able to do that. I think you feel very, for the most part, you feel very comfortable with him in defensive situations. When you have someone that's very in between, it, you know it's difficult because you don't feel amazingly confident in Lazar defensively, and you don't really kind of offset that by having that real attacking threat either. Um, he's just a very middle of the road player. For, I mean, look, we we signed him as emergency backup, and the idea was not to play him unless needed, and he was needed yesterday. Mm. But having said that, if we're looking at going ahead into the into Norwich, obviously we'll be looking at Norwich soon. I don't want to go too far ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> we'll get you know, there, with we'll get there. with Kiko Femenia sending off, how comfortable do you feel with the possibility of Ashef Lazar left back and possibly Mark Navarro right back if if Jeremy and Gakka isn't available, and you know suddenly our defensive situation looks a lot different. So this is just one of the, this is one of the unfortunate ramifications and consequences of a transfer window, which was you know we struggled to kind of fill that position. There's lots of factors. I'm not just blaming uh, the board or anything here. There's lots of reasons as to why we couldn't sign a left back and get the cover we wanted when we wanted. But it, it, we were worried about this situation occurring, and it, you know it kind of has. Yeah, I mean it's it's up to them now to to prove us wrong, isn't it? Um, do you do you drop this after this though? Do you do you? I don't think it, so. It, no, if no. say Ben Wilmot's available, say you can maybe put him on the left back. Do you do that or do you do you keep things as they are? I think if you're talking about uh, the same formation, then I think we keep Ashraf Lazar where he is. Um, mm-hmm. If we're talking about a, a, a change in formation for this game, um, maybe going to a three-five-two and then using Semmer as that kind of. Yeah. Left wing back, um, that could be a, an option, and then you would bring in someone like Wilmot, or um, it, it probably would be Cathcart, wouldn't it? That they would yeah. opt to bring in, but that would be that would be one option for them. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like like Zisco would would change the formation just for one, just 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 for one game. But maybe maybe he would. I mean, it's certainly something for him to consider. And I suppose if he does, we'll know how he feels about. Having that, uh, that, you know, starting with um, with Navarro and 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 mm. Lazar or, or or potentially Ngakia if he's if he's if he's fit and able to to play. I think my preference would be Ngakia over 
Navarro. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's a must. It's just I think I, I believe from what I know he was injured. He he picked up an injury in training, so he missed out yesterday. Um, that's why he wasn't in the squad. Navarro was on the bench, um, so that's where the concern would be coming into the next game. Mm. What what, um, would, what would you do, Jordan, tactically? You know, from, from your, your opinion. It's a really really tough one. Um, if if Ngaki is fit, no question, you fit, fills in it fills in the right back. Left back, I think, really is is such a difficult such a difficult problem. I mean, apart from the obvious of doing everything I physically can to get Masson ready to play, um, I think you do have to stick with a similar shape. Um, personally, I think the three at the back, I don't see our outside centre backs that we playing in that game progressive enough on the ball to really let make us an attacking threat in that game. And I think this is a game we have to have some attacking threat in. I think we have to be able to counter attack and. I think we have to be able to kind of create that space, and to do so, I think we need to give give that freedom to Ishmael Assar and Ken Semmer if possible. Um, so just trying to think about winning this game because this is a game we're not just going there to to. I mean, we could argue we're going there to get a point, but for me, I want to be having, I want to be giving us the opportunity to also come away with a win. I think the way we are set up and the way our squad balance is right now, I don't feel amazingly comfortable that that back three will be conducive to us getting those three points. So. Mm. I also feel like Orange, I think Norwich are there for the taking as well. I mean, they're they're not they currently in the best form that they've been in. I know that um, it was it was a very uh, great day for them over the weekend because they managed to secure mathematically uh, at least second spot, so they've they've got promotion back to the Premier League. And and to be quite honest, just a, a little sort of cutaway from that, Daniel Farker has done a great job this season. Um, he's he's had the players that he needed to. I mean, it's it, it, Norwich has barely changed since they've come down, but. Mm. There are many teams that have, that have, you know, fallen down from the Premier from from the Premier League and, and just you know capitulated. But you know Norwich have have done fantastically well to um you know to sort of get back at the first time of asking and, and also they they uh are they now the team that have been promoted the, the most from the Championship in to the Premier League is it five times now is it I think you might be correct I mean I feel like it might even be more than that on top of my head but you no know, you might be correct I mean look they've, they've been set up amazingly well to do so haven't they they've they've kind of created that template of how to get relegated and bounce back up and they executed this they executed their plan perfectly obviously just has to see now how they kind of progress and and carry on next year in the Premier League I actually think they'll just based off what I've seen this year I think they're much better equipped to to do so than they were last time they went up and um there's a, there's a good chance they, they do see those improvements um but yet they are there for the taking Matt as you're saying and I do, in some ways, I am curious to see how this team performs, as in Watford, how we perform. Um, going to a game where we don't have the the pressure of dominating the ball and we can play as more of a counter-attacking, kind of slightly more passive team. Because I do think we have some some of the kind of tools to do that quite well. We just don't really have the opportunity to try it because not many teams play against us in that manner but Norwich will look to do that that's one thing you can be very certain of is Norwich aren't going to change their approach for us um, and this will probably be the first time this season we've kind of or since Shishko's kind of come in and we've made them changes and kind of switched to that that 4-3-3 I think this is the first time we're going to have the opportunity to play like this so I, I'm, I do feel there's there's a good chance we could perform quite well but the left back situation is an issue um, if Lazar is to play because I do think we lose a little bit of that structure um, so personally, just just sorry, kind of circling back to what I would like to do, I think I'd probably stick with. I think I'd probably stick with the Czar. Um, I, I don't see Shishko dropping him. I, I don't see a change in shape or personnel at left back if Masna's not available. Um, and it's 
it's, I mean, I don't stay Lazar with an, is an, is an easy decision to make. Um, but I think just for the balance of having that left foot and and someone that can someone that can kind of get up and down a little bit uh, and give us a little bit of kind of flexibility down there. But we're going to have to give him some help because Emi Buendia up against him will be very difficult, and we're going to have to have some uh, some midfield help there. I was I was just thinking now. I think I'm more worried about sorting out the right back side rather yeah. than the left back because I think Ashraf Fazar, like he showed against Luton, can do a job. You know, we need to make sure that um, he doesn't have any more of those dodgy passes in him. But other than that, he was he was relatively okay. But on the right hand side. Kiko Firmenia has pretty much been the key to unlocking Ishmael Yassar down that right-hand yeah. side. And I haven't seen, I mean, to be fair, we haven't seen a lot of Navarro or Ngakia this season, but when we have seen them, they haven't been as effective as doing that. And without uh, Firmenia, I wonder if Sara is just going to get isolated like he, he was in, against Luton. Yeah, I mean, Ngakia, if Ngakia plays, I feel much more comfortable uh, with it, and Gaki is not going to get him. And Gaki is not the same ball player that Fermenia is. He's he's I say he's probably a better carrier of the ball. He's he's good at taking the ball down that line, um, but he's not going to have the same kind of delivery threat. I think for me, if Gaki is playing, then then you're able to kind of let him carry the ball and maybe kind of tuck Sarah a little bit more inside and just kind of make that kind of that transition that ball into Sarah a little bit easier. You're not going to be expecting Ngaki to be whipping in crosses, but if you can get Saar occupying some more central areas, then that's okay. I think for me, if we're talking about how we're going to, going to set up, if Navarro is the only option at right back, if Ngaki is unavailable, then I think about... If, you, if you're talking about Navarro and Lazar, then maybe I'm thinking about changing shape um, to, to compensate for that. I don't feel they're not competent as, as, as wing backs for me against Norwich. Um, I, I think you'd probably go with the back three and then maybe bring Ken Semmer, as you said, on that left-hand side and and maybe kind of work with one of them on the right-hand side in Navarro. Um, but it, it's, it's just a real tough balance to make. So you're playing the best team in the league and it's not the game you want to have injuries for. But there are other areas too we can we can compensate for for that. And I think including the likes of Gosling or Cleverly or perhaps even both or Chalibur if he returns can, can go a long way to kind of helping helping those situations. And they were, they were options we didn't have from the start yesterday, which also played a part. Okay, let's go back to the looting game briefly, and I think one of the one of the biggest stats. Uh, and you did say how um, you know Luton did very well to shut out Saar, but you know Watford, Watford is not just one team of, of Ismailia Saar. There are plenty of t- players in that team who who have the ability to shoot, uh, but nobody managed to get a shot on target. Um, Andre Gray uh, did manage to score a goal briefly before it was ruled out uh, for offside. Personally, I didn't I didn't see what was wrong with that goal, but um, you know, we didn't get the angles that we that you know that we'd get luxury of having in in the Premier League. So, you know, I suppose you just have to go with the referee's call there. But look, even even without that offside goal, you need to get shots on target to score, and you need to score to to win games. It's simple as that. You know, if if you're blocking out Ismaili Assar, there are other players in the game who who can who can get shots on goal, and and you know, Watford Watford were very poor at that yesterday. Jordan. Yeah, we didn't. We just didn't create enough. We weren't anywhere close to creating enough. We didn't have really any patterns of play that were kind of getting the ball into the box. And we we tried to cross the ball in the box into the box quite a few times, but you know it wasn't it wasn't effective. I think we put fourteen crosses in. We connected with two of them, 
you, you contrast that to, to losing at putting 19 crosses connected with 11 of them. So kind of, you know, 57% of their crosses they get into the box, they're getting on, they're getting some contact on, um, which is just a complete contrast to us. So much of our attacking play where we've started to look a little bit, a little bit kind of structured and we've, we've kind of got some, some clear movement. The players kind of feel quite comfortable in what they're doing. Yesterday was just very much improvised, hopeful, um, no real no real consistent threat. I think our expected goals for that entire game was 0.23. Um, wow. That's obviously not including Gray's chance. That's uh, that's uh, minus that. Uh, I think the best chance to gain from us is a probability of 10% chance of going in. And that was Francisco Serialta when he kind of took that mm. that touch in the edge of the box and after a corner and managed to kind of get a volley away and it got blocked. That was our best chance of the game. Yeah. Um, Probably came close as well, didn't he? He had a sort of a, a shot for us from distance. Yes. But again, that was a tough, but it's the quality of chance I'm referring to. Mm. Tom cleverly did well to kind of get that shot and get it away. And it kind of brushed past the It was very close to kind of just dragging into the into the far post, wasn't it? But mm. it wasn't a clear cut chance. That was a bit of quality, individual quality from Tom cleverly um, that gave us that, that possibility to score. And my concern is you're not creating the quality of chances and we have to be doing that um, to have any real consistent goal threat. Um, it, it wasn't good enough and you're not going to win enough games, especially away from home. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to pick up those points if you do that. I mean, just, just to put some perspective on that info goals um, expected goal. I know not everyone's a massive fan of expected goals, but it does have some value. And Tom cleverly had a 2% chance of scoring that based on info goal from that position. And, you know, he got it close, but, it's not a quality chance of being created through good play. It's just individual. Um, I just don't think we're, we're we're just very blunt and it's not enough to, to push us on. If we're going to be trying to get for these top two spots, we've got to be better away from home. And even at home too, we just can't keep doing that. Mm. Against Norwich then, what is going to stop or prevent Farker from just copying and pasting from what he's seen Luton do against Watford? I mean, clearly we haven't been able to find a way past that I think you'd have you don't even have to, honestly, Matt. I, I think they're they're so good in what they do. They don't when you're as good as Norwich are and when you're as dominant as Norwich are, it's very rare in, in this situation you have to in, in the league they're in, it's very rare they're gonna have to change too much to adapt to the opposition. I'm sh- don't don't be wrong, they'll make adjustments, they'll have individual little changes and they'll they'll be aware of how we play. But they'll be dominating this game. Or they should be dominating this game. They should be going into it intending to dominate. Obviously, there's a possibility they're not quite on their game. They lost the last one. They're celebrating, whatever. But you're looking at Norwich, you're looking at Watford, you'd expect Norwich at home to kind of come into this game and, and control things. And they don't have to do too much in a lot of ways because they're going to feel quite comfortable that they'll suffocate us with possession and the quality of chances they create will be enough for them to kind of keep ahead and, and not allow us too much time in the ball in their areas. So I think we'll have a little bit of freedom there, which may help us. But obviously you're dealing with that massive threat that Norwich posed throughout 90 minutes. Um, so it's going to be an interesting battle, but this is the, it's kind of a reverse situation now. What I want to see from Shishko and what we need to see from Shishko is the adjustments required to compensate for Norwich, if possible. It's not an easy task, but I want to see an effort to do so. Um, and for me, I think the biggest indication of that is the likes of Cleverly, Chalabal, Gosling, perhaps two of them starting. Personally, in this one, as much as I'm a big fan of Philip Zinkenagel, I'll probably be looking at starting that kind of double, that double advanced midfielder kind of role we've had of them two presses to look to break up that kind of build-up play from the opposition. So I think we're going to need that energy in midfield, especially if we're compensating for uh, one or two fullbacks not available. 
actually there was a point I was going to ask you about in in regards to like you know I know we're circling around all different kind of we're going real back and forth here, guys. <laughs> so apologize for that again just bear with us here um one thing as well that I did I did notice which I did find a bit disappointing uh when you were in regards to the um the intensity and the kind of application from the players and the fact that it was a derby it really didn't feel like it. I think maybe one or two players kind of felt like they were really giving it all maybe maybe a serialter and back when I thought kind of had some of the energy to them. But uh, when it came to the penalty, I, I, I'm not sure if you, if you noticed this or not, but the, the players following in the penalty was non-existent from us compared to Luton. I'm not sure if you just caught on the kind of the right of your screen, Jordan Clark is like sprinting, kind of timing his run up in, in sync with the penalty and sprinting to get into the box to try and follow up in case it's saved. And we're just half-assed jogging, and that is so frustrating too. It's really disappointing to see. I know it's like a, I know I'm kind of getting a little bit too. Maybe I'm getting a little bit too picky here, but no, it, I think just that's that a good me. spot. That's a good spot. I didn't actually. I think I was probably too dismayed at the fact that we conceded to to notice yeah. who wasn't running after it. But it, you know, we know how good Daniel Backman is at at saving penalties. It, you know, there's a, there was a good chance that he could have saved that one. No, he just had the fortune of kind of being choosing the correct side, didn't he? But I mean, imagine the frustration if Backman had managed to save that, and mm. it was, and it was a follow up. And I know we're talking ifs and buts, but you put yourself in a situation if you don't do those things. And I think it's just an indicator of how we approach that game because at that point of the game, you know, a, a draw isn't a disaster at Luton. It, if we came away from that game on the balance of how the game was going, if we came away with a point, especially in how the results ended up around us, that would have been fine in some respects. Um, yeah. you'd expect we should be fighting tooth and nail in these situations I know it's cliche to say and I know a lot of a lot of fans of different teams have this opinion but we've got to be pushing those levels of intensity in the last 10 minutes of a game it's nil-nil in the opposition of a penalty everyone should be doing what they can to the maximum to prevent this goal and seeing little things like that it makes you question it makes you question at the time how much are we going to be how much are we going to fight to get back in this even it's a but, good point. You know, it's 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 minor. It's it's potentially minor, but it, it's something I noticed. Another thing I want to talk about um, in terms of the subs coming on. Obviously, we had four in the end, didn't we? we had uh, Andre Gray, Tom Cleverley, Isaac Success, and, and Joseph Hung. But I want to touch on them real quick as well. Um, I thought Tom Cleverley kind of he did okay when he came on, didn't he? I, I don't think he was. It was obviously a difficult time for him to come on, but he gave us a bit more energy in midfield. What do you think of him? Yeah, I think he did very well, and I think he could be potentially in line to start against Norwich as well. I think it was it was that much of a of an impressive comeback after after being out injured. Um, if we go on to the others, uh, I've seen a little bit of um, backlash towards success on Twitter. Uh, I think maybe a few fans are I don't know, maybe expecting expecting a bit more, and and I think I I think I would. Be hopeful that Isaac Success could to could maybe find a bit of that I don't know that kind of form he had earlier on in his career, but at the minute it's just not really working for him in the limited minutes that he's getting. He was bad, wasn't he? Really? <laughs> Let's just face <laughs> that's it. He was that's bad. a better summary. It's a better summary. Yeah. Well, he just. I think the thing is, you come on, you come on with forty-five minutes to play. There's time to influence the game and. Don't be wrong, the players, it was not the easiest game to come on to. There's lots of other contributing factors. The rest of the team weren't playing well. Pitch is an issue. You know, we can go on about the about the other factors that played a part. But ultimately, if you're just looking at successive performance, it didn't feel like he did enough. Um, I didn't feel like he gave that energy off the ball. 
he looked quite lethargic. He there was not much intensity to his game off the ball. You know, he's fresh. He, he should be coming on. And he should be making it difficult for those defenders and and pressing that goalkeeper when the ball's coming back. He just wasn't really doing it. Um, when it came to kind of him getting on the ball, only managed sixteen touches in that half, um, which fine. But when he did get the ball, he kept turning it over. Um, he, he wasn't he wasn't holding on to it for long enough at all. Um, the passes, you know, he fifty percent pass accuracy. It's just he's just giving giving away the ball too much, and mm. he, he just wasn't getting himself in dangerous position, positions. He lost the ball nine times, and since it, when he came on the pitch, and as I said, it's difficult. But you just need to be seeing more from him. If you're not gonna, if you're not going to be offering that goal threat and, and kind of running through at players, then at least be at least be an issue off the ball. At least make at least be something for those that, those defenders to think about. And he really really wasn't. Yeah. When I think about success playing well, I, I know he had that spell under Javi Gracia where he kind of started to hold up the ball better and his, his game looked better and he, he looked a bit sharp in the box. But when you really think fundamentally what he's about, especially that initial spell when he first kind of came to, came to Watford and off the back of his time at Granada where he was running at players and he he would beat players with ease. He, he looked like he was so much stronger and faster than them. And that was in the Premier League as well. And he was able to, to beat players with ease. It was always what came after which which let him down. But now I'm not. I'm not seeing that initial burst from him anymore. Um, I don't see the same athlete that, that we saw when he first came. I'm not sure if it's confidence. He's not maybe going for the same for the same runs he used to. But it, it's entirely frustrating because this sort of performance, um, it, this sort of performance yesterday, and and when we see a a bad Isaac success performance now, I'm thinking it's considerably worse than what we saw when he first joined the club. Which is you know it's a shame. It's five years of development almost, um, or, or lack of. And I'm I'm someone that's talked positively about success and what he can offer, but so far I've not seen I've not seen any of that really from from him since he's been kind of reintroduced in the last few games. What What about you? What were your kind of thoughts on him? Um, I was reading an article uh, in the in the Athletic uh, a few days ago, and it was talking about Watford and other teams about their promotion chances, and and it also had a little bit there about um, the fallout of what might happen if Watford don't get promoted. And I think one of the, one of the lines there was uh, Watford need to be worried about losing some of their star players like Saar uh, and also success. And I was thinking, oh, I don't think they have to be worried about losing success. <laughs> what, where did that come I, I from? I don't know if many of uh, people are worried that um, that success might get snatched off our hands. In fact, actually, I think it might be the opposite. Isn't yeah. It? If you, yeah. I mean, 10 million, I don't think we're going to see that again. But, um, you know. I mean, the 18 million from Andre Gray is, is definitely not coming back either. So we've uh, we've made some costly... Uh, mistakes i suppose but um at the time they felt like the right decisions um, in, in both cases and um and i suppose I suppose to be fair the, the 10 million it's not really 10 million is it because it's, it's just money moving at the end of the day because granada were owned yeah. by by the potters at the time so it, it's not really the same kind of of deal as uh, as, as the 18 million to, to burn i don't know why i'm dragging gray into this situation <laughs> <laughs> well that moves us on to gray i mean gray had a very limited time on the pitch and you know i actually felt i as silly as this is, I felt really sorry for Gray. You know, I, I felt like that could have been a real redemptive. I mean, obviously, there's lots of other, lots of other things that have gone on, but I felt like it would have really kind of been a redemptive moment for him in some ways. Um, he was the way he was running off, slapping the badge. He kind of, you know, it was just a shame for him and for us, of course. Don't get me mm. wrong; the frustration was immense, but I, I did want him to be able to kind of wheel away from that and actually celebrate that goal properly. And it's just. That's just such a classic. It's just such a classic moment, isn't it? I mean, this is the fact that Gray gets ruled offside for scoring that goal. It, it, it's just so typical, isn't it? And did you did you have was... any 
inklings as to whether it was offside or onside at the time. You know what? The camera angle was so. And can we talk about? Can we talk about that as well? I thought the camera work yesterday was, oh, it was awful. Poor. poor. Awful. I one thing I cannot stand is when the ball is in play and you're watching a replay of a half chance for twenty seconds, and when the, when that when the replay starts, you're you're attacking the other team, and then when it cuts back, they're taking a the throw in your half. I just I can't stand when it when you can't watch the game because of the pointless replays, and there were yes. so many pointless replays yesterday. The angles are the angles aren't exactly the greatest at Luton either. So when you then add the the constant replays, it was just uh, it was it was actually difficult to watch at times. Yeah, actually, we need to be we need to be cross at the director there. It was it's not the camera operators. Sorry, yeah, fault. I know. It's the, yeah, it's, it's the, the director. It's the director yeah. slash potentially vision mix. It depends how big the team the, the team was, but um, but yeah, the the decision making there was was not the best. Probably the worst I've seen actually from the coverage uh, of various different teams uh, in general. It's been fairly reasonable. Obviously, the games on Sky have been uh, of a better quality, but. Um, yeah, it's it was a it was a poor one, and we didn't really get a good chance to see the the penalty actually. Did, like the, the way that the penalty was given, I don't think there was a, a big lead up into that because weren't we watching a a, a replay of um? It's it's so convoluted in my mind yeah. at this point, but it's very possible. I I can only remember the I can only remember the pass back and then the penalty given. That's kind of I don't remember what led to it, but I mean the yeah the, the camera work was all over the place and it was. Yeah, it was just difficult. It was just a, it's another annoying thing and an, an annoying day, honestly. Yeah, but uh, and we're turn, turning to some positives now. It's not the worst day it could have been because, as we've mentioned briefly already, Brentford and Swansea only managed to get a draw. Um, Swansea, I don't know how they didn't manage to get uh, anything more there against against Wickham. Wickham were doing really well there at two 0 up, but um, certainly Swansea probably should have should have had them, but. Um, they only managed to draw in the end. Uh, so one point each. That means they do both climb uh, a point closer to Watford. But it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse, John. Yeah, I mean, we we got away with it in some ways. Um, but it's the strength of schedule now. It's the it's the fact that we've got to play these teams. Uh, I think yesterday, if we come away with three points, then I'm confident one win against against those two, or even possibly just a win against Norwich. I say just a win against Norwich, like it's a like it's an easy feat, but. Um, <laughs> you have some breathing room and oh I don't know man I, I feel like it's I still feel confident in a lot of ways but it's a it's a big task now we need we need a response from these players in the next few in the next few games and for me I just I, I see I see the defining moment I know it's kind of quite obvious to say but I see any sort of defining moment coming from uh, a victory against Swansea or Brentford now um, the Norwich game you know, you, it's a free hit. It's, I don't want to say we're so far apart to call it a free hit, but obviously with the underdogs going into that one, um, every other game I feel like you could you could call it each way. Uh, and Millwall, I think, will be a real tough one. We see what we saw what a problem they caused to uh, to Brentford yesterday, mm. and it, it it's not going to be easy at all. But for those guys, I think that that result too. If we'd have won yesterday and they'd have picked up those two draws, I think that'd have been a real gut punch for them. Um, I think it'd be very difficult to kind of keep that that motivation to keep fighting back because they just feel like that gap is opening up even more. Um, but yesterday just gives them that kind of that hope that's still on because it is, especially with that schedule. They know how how tough our fixtures are, and they both have to play us. Um, so they're going to feel pretty confident right now. And we're kind of, I do worry that we're on a downwards uh, downward slope from that kind of confidence and um, that that outlook on how the season's going to go. Uh, 
perspective and they're on the opposite end of that, which is not where you want to be. Mm. But we do have the points on the board and that is what we have to hang on to. We do have those points on the board. So we just have to keep bettering their results. And if we draw against them, fine. As long as we can better their results in the other games or match them, then we're good. But we just have to be able to see that we can do that now because yesterday... The worrying thing for us is not the result, it's the performance. And that's what worries you about the rest of the season is that performance, not not the individual one nil loss. Yeah. Also, I think we probably have to have a sly look at goal difference as well. And in terms of goal difference, Watford are pretty much beating Swansea. It's 31 goals that Watford have. Sorry, the goal difference for Watford is 31. For Swansea, it's 19. But for Brentford, it's also 31. So, you know, if Brentford could catch us up, goal difference could be very important. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the fixtures, if anyone's going to probably come away with a, a better goal difference out of these fixtures, it's Brentford, isn't it? Um, especially if you're if you're accounting for them winning those games to catch up with us too. Um, theoretically, they're going to have to be kind of increasing that goal difference to even meet us, really. Um, so that is something we definitely have to to consider. Uh, but I'm just trying to think their fixtures. They you know they're playing against teams they could they could possibly rack up a few goals. I mean, Rotherham, although they've improved its potential. Uh, and then they're also playing Bristol City, aren't they? Uh, one thing I do feel good about, though, um, is at least they're playing a strong Bournemouth side in this one in now. Mm. Uh, obviously, they've just won six in the bounce. But it's Cardiff, it's Cardiff on Tuesday for Brentford, which I think is a really... Cardiff have not been good um, in recent weeks. But I think Cardiff's a really tough test for, for Brentford, especially the fact that it's at, at Brentford in some ways. Because um, I think if there's one thing Cardiff can do... It, it's it's be quite difficult to beat away from home at this stage of the season. I, I think on the record they're on, or how they how their kind of season's been going towards the last few games, I, I think you could feel pretty confident they're going to be quite resolute in this one, and it's going to be a tough one for Brentford to break down. I hope. Um, so if you look at the next two games, there's definitely possibilities to drop points there before they play us. Mm. Also, Brentford do have that additional game that they will need to to win if they want to have a hope of. Uh of trying to, to to get that second spot and that's going to be against Rotherham. It's it's in a week where no one really has a game midweek. So an extra game where they would have wanted to prepare for, you know, to, to come up against... It's before us too, against, right? Against us, yeah, it is. So it's going to be, um, I don't know, is it easier for us that knowing that we that we that we've got a little bit more rest than recovery, or is it? I'm taking that every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, I'm taking that every time because you know we, at this stage of the season, look at the injuries. Look at the injuries we've got, and freshness will play a big part. Especially, we're going to have to commit hard to these games um, if we really want to come away with you know if we, if we actually want promotion, which of course we do. But if we're actually going to go for it to, to our maximum levels, then we're going to need application from the players, and players are going to be playing hurt right now. Every player on that pitch is injured in some capacity, I guarantee you. Um, so the more rest we can have, the better. And the more opportunity for for those teams that we're playing against, that we're trying to compete against to pick up pick up some niggling injuries, have some fitness issues, that's all the better for us. And those fine margins could be enough to make a difference. Um, there's some tough fixtures for those teams too, don't get me wrong. I know we talk about strength of schedule, but you know, Swansea have still got to play Reading. Uh, away from home, which is a, a game you can see in dropping points. At. Even, even playing at home on Tuesday to QPR, I do wonder if there's if there's room for a slip up there as well. So there's lots of factors at play here. It's not just us um, having issues. Brentford and Swansea have their own issues. Um, they only came away with a draw yesterday too, and both of those teams are feeling some frustration now as well. Don't forget that because they'll want to be winning those games, especially when we've dropped points. Um, so there's it's not it's not a case of we're doing terribly, them two are doing great. 
Um, they have their own issues. So let's just hope that when it comes to the games we play them, that's where we have the ability to really kind of extend that gap if, if, if we're still in that in that position come them games, which I really do hope slash think we can be. Yeah. Um, it's just trying to stay objective because we're Watford fans. Ultimately, we're all going to think uh, about ourselves and maybe be a little bit pessimistic. But um, I've spoke to plenty of uh, Brentford fans um, and, and, Swan- and a couple of Swansea fans too. And there's there's a level of, of fear in there. A lot of them are not feeling that optimistic about catching us. A lot of them are looking at playoffs and that, that's for a reason. Uh, it's not just because it's not just because of league position, it's because of performance too. Um, so we have to keep that in mind. And uh, it also seems like Andre Ayew is, uh, is injured as well. So, uh, so yeah, that could be very interesting moving forward for Swansea. It's, it's a hamstring injury. It's being assessed over the next 48 hours. So, I mean, look, he's a, he's a big player for them. If there's one player they didn't want to lose right now, it's Andre Ayew. I'm sure he'll be doing everything he can to play. Um, I know he walked off with the hamstring injury. He wasn't stretched off or anything. Uh, so even if it's just one game, even if he's playing at a limited capacity, little things like that can be a boost. And that's what we just talked about too, isn't it? Mm. The, the amount of games you got to play and the fitness issues, that can be the difference between promotion and not at this stage of the season. If it's happening to the opposition, then, you know, we're all here for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be harder for them. Here's their top scorer and, you know, he's he's been pivotal for them. So, you know, good news for us. Good news for yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. We, we can't just focus on ourselves. I think the only way you get through these, this stage of the season, it's a stressful stage of the season. I mean, you're thinking about the opposition. You're thinking about you know what, what issues we have and who we're playing next. But remember that everyone's facing some of these things. Um, and we've just got to try and stay objective. As hard as it is right now, uh, we are still in that position. And there are things to criticise. There are things to kind of we can moan about and we can be frustrated about. But if you only focus on that and you do lose you do lose a bit of sight of the actual uh, reality of the situation. Um, because what we should be doing now as a team, what the team should be doing is looking at how they can win this thing. Good stuff and great words to finish on. Um, if you want to, 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 to chat to Jordan, you can find him on Twitter at Jordan Weimer. Uh, if you want to chat to me, you can find me at Messi Messiano. I guess we'll be back with a... Uh preview podcast and Norwich game as well which I'll have to be recording pretty soon um, but yeah so we'll be back with the preview podcast for the Norwich game so obviously it's coming up very quick um, hopefully you can get that in and have a listen to that obviously we, Norwich a bit more of a known quantity than some of the other, other teams we're playing but what I will be looking at in this one is uh, trying to work out a little bit more maybe how we can hurt them I know we're saying we cover a little bit in, in, other, in other podcasts but I think in this one it's maybe more um maybe more important to look at maybe some of the finer details of where they can be exposed because I think we're all kind of familiar with how Norwich play um, so we don't have to kind of bang on about that too much um, but yeah so that will be hopefully coming out on Monday and then we'll be back again to chat about the Norwich game hopefully with a, a rejoining Tom uh, to, to bring you the uh, the trio of insight that we, that we usually do good stuff well that was a, a, an elongated uh, send off uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people will stay to the end again Jordan oh, we got, uh, look the same the same gangs here it's, it's become very clear now we've got a few a few that are hanging on to this point um, so yeah appreciate it again guys uh, good to catch up with you again obviously this is, this is the exclusive kind of members club of the portion of the podcast now um, large percentage of people that listen don't even know this exists um, but yeah thanks for joining us again um, and I'm sure we'll be back in well just a couple of days I feel like we're doing a podcast every day right now yeah, the schedule has been that's one thing I've actually enjoyed about the championship although we weren't doing a podcast before so I guess <laughs> that's why but it does feel like we're here kind of all the time um, I feel like I speak to you more than I speak to uh, my family right now <laughs> I am your family yeah, that's I'm true. That's more family. indicative of my family situation. It is. 
Okay, great stuff. Um, yep, like Jordan said, we'll be back uh, after that Norwich game. All right, well, from myself and Jordan, it's goodbye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.